0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I missed you all. Not going to lie. I had a terrific couple of days up in Newport, Rhode Island. I ate a ton of lobster. I got a little sun. I had a couple of beverages. I had a grand old time. Everything was great. Everything was great. But now it is a football Friday. So when I set up the little mini vacation. I made sure I'm working Monday and I'm working Friday. I'm not going to miss a football Monday or a football Friday. That's just completely out of the question. So between all that that's going on and the baseball and the NBA, it is the definition of a loaded show. And Thursday Night Football obviously put me in very good spirits. The Miami Dolphins whooped the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I felt pretty confident in taking this game. I took the Dolphins plus the two and a half. I had the Dolphins on the money line. I thought you would get a spirited effort from them starting off the year 0-2. And listen, say what you want about Ryan Fitzpatrick, and we get it. He is a flawed quarterback. He is a flawed player. He is a limited player. But man, that guy has got a little chutzpah about him. That guy's got toughness. He's throwing blocks. He's, he's longer in his head trying to get first downs. He's a very easy player to root for. That is the best compliment I could give Ryan Fitzpatrick. Because I go back to last year, I was kind of annoyed about the fact that he was being brought into the quote unquote tanking Dolphins. Like that agitated me because I thought it would get in the way of them getting the quarterback that I may have wanted. It did not. Now you have Fitzpatrick, who is the perfect guy to have with a young quarterback. And Dolphins point it right. Then I'll rush into on the field. Making sure he's medically able and he knows the offense, and that we can come in and hit the ground running. You don't want him coming in and looking like a complete fool. Fitzpatrick, last two weeks has played pretty darn well, and Jacksonville has regressed. I-, I-, I thought their first two games were not a true indicator of what they are as a football team. I think what we saw on Thursday night is, is far more reflective of that. Jacksonville's still going to be. One of the worst teams in the league. The talent will back that up. I still feel confident in saying that they're going to be in that discussion with the New York Jets for, you know, trying to get the first pick in the draft. And thankfully, I don't think my team will be. We'll see what they look like at the end of the year. But hey, at least for one night on prime time, I don't have to see the Dolphins losing by 40 points because it seems like anytime Adam Gaze coached a team, that's what they did. They played a prime time game and they got smoked. So I'm in a good mood about that. Very good mood. Now, I'll tell you what I'm not in a good mood about. The New York Yankees playing away from Yankee Stadium. The Yankees all year have been brutal. Absolutely brutal in playing games outside of the Bronx. And, you know, as I was driving back from Rhode Island, I heard Aaron Boone on with Joe and Evan. This is actually like a rarity for me when I was driving back because i have been away for the last couple of days where I was like, I want to see what's going on. I want to... You know, get a sense for what you guys and gals are all talking about. Because I haven't been on the air, so I didn't know. So I was listening to my guys, who so I love, Joe and Evan. They were cracking me up with Boone. They were doing what they needed to do. And I could tell Aaron was not exactly in the best of spirits. You know, normally when Boone doing those interviews, he's cracking jokes, he's doing impressions of me, he's you know, having fun, which is great. This was not one of those uh, type of interviews. This was... No nonsense, no BS, and I could get a sense that there was a little bit of a ticked-off energy about Aaron Boone. I could understand why, because the Yankees continue to play poorly away from their ballpark. It's been a weird year for the Yankees. Now, they lose three out of four to Toronto. Is that a big deal as far as seeding is concerned? No, probably not. Yankees are going to be the five seed, barring a Three game sweep from Donnie Mattingly's Miami Marlins, and you know Toronto sweeping the Tor- uh, the Baltimore Orioles. Otherwise, the Yankees are going to be locked into that five. We'll get into who they're going to play in a minute, but my concern is this: Who are the real New York Yankees? They start at sixteen and six, outstanding. They go five and fifteen, horrific. They go ten and zero, and now they go one and four. They have been as sporadic and as much a roller coaster as possible. This has not been a great regular season for them. The road struggles are obvious. They have not given you that real consistent run. I guess you could say 15 and 5. I guess you could say 10 and 0. Oh, but I'm talking about an extended run of crisp, quality good-looking baseball, and they didn't do that in any of the games they played against Toronto. I mean, you saw them yesterday. They're making errors left and right, whether it's Gleyber Torres over at shortstop, Gary Sanchez in a throwing error, Luke Voigt butchering a ball over at first base. The Yankee defense, as we get ready for this best-of-three postseason, which kicks off next week, Tuesday, hard to believe, There are elements within this team that are very, very alarming. The first for me would be, yeah, playing on the road. Because they have not played well on the road all year. And that's why, you know, Boone could be annoyed about the questions. Maybe some of the other Yankees are annoyed about the questions. Whether it's this best of three and then going into the bubble and playing out in California and Texas. After this weekend, you're done. Playing at Yankee Stadium. That's it. No more games in the Bronx. So if you don't figure out a way to play on the road, that's it. You're going to be going home come playoff time. But yeah, I am concerned about the Yankee defense. I think the Yankee lineup will be fine. They're going to score runs. And whoever they match up with in the first round, They're going to need score runs. And that's still to be determined at this point. Because the American League Central has gotten nutty. It looked like four days ago it was a lock. That was going to be the Yankees and the Twins. You just weren't sure. Would it be the Yankees playing at home or would it be in Minnesota? Now that's out. Twins keep winning. The White Sox are in free fall. And they're now to a point where it's not a given that you're going to go to Chicago. And for my money, and I've said this all along, The worst possible matchup for the Yankees in a best of three. Outside of playing the Tampa Bay Rays, who have shown to be the best team in the American League so far. They've earned that. That worst case scenario matchup for the Yankees is going to Cleveland and taking on the Indians. With that pitching and Bieber, that series would scare the living daylights out of me. Because I could see the Yankees now going to that ballpark and striking out like 12 times a game. Well, you got to deal with Bieber, Pujicac, McKenzie. Oh, boy. You better hope that Garrett Cole and Masahiro Tanaka are up to the challenge. That's a scary best of three. I'll be rooting like crazy for the White Sox this weekend. Rooting like crazy for the White Sox. Because I don't want to see the Yankees and the Indians match up. Best of three. You get the Indians later on in the postseason, so be it. I'll deal with it. In three games with that pitching, no, that's that's dicey. And the Indians this weekend, they're playing the Pirates. They're gonna beat up on that team. They're gonna at minimum win two out of three. And Chicago, the problem for the White Sox, they got the Cubs. Minnesota's got Cincinnati. All those teams need wins. Maybe not the Cubs. Maybe, you know, the White Sox are getting them at a good time. That race in the American League Central, that's going to go a long way in determining what the Yankees' fate may be in the first round. I'm telling you right now. Minnesota's leading the division. Chicago's out of game. Cleveland's out two games. And the White Sox have lost five in a row, and the Indians have won five in a row. And the Twins won four in a row. But the Twins... Again, give me the Twins in the postseason any day of the week. I'll take my chances. And if they lose to Minnesota this this year, so be it. But until you see it, I mean, how do you not want that matchup if you're a Yankee fan? You'd be a fool to say otherwise. That is, of course, the matchup that you want. Now, you got all that going on with the Yankees. Coming back home, knowing they'll be in that 4-5, or Want to make sure they're right. Looks like Jay Happ would probably go in game three. Man, I thought it was rather interesting to hear Aaron Boone mention the catching situation and say it will be a game by game type of basis. We know the deal. Higgy is catching Garrett Cole in game 1. Lock it in right now. That is sign sealed delivered, quote Stephen Wonder. Kyle Higashioka will be catching game 1. I would that Gary Sanchez would be catching game two. But does Boone now have the you know ability now to bounce back on that? He sure does. He could easily now give you Higgy in game two. Like, I'll give you an example. If Higgy in game one against the White Sox, maybe that's wishful thinking. I'd rather play them the Indians, so maybe I'm giving you that as the example. Higgy goes two for three with a homer. Do I think he's catching him too? I do. And I know Gary Sanchez is giving you better at bats and he just missed a grand slam on Thursday night. I mean, he just missed a grand slam. But the Yankee overall rhetoric and what you have heard in the past from managers, cashmen, that brain trust, it's always been. Gary Sanchez is our catcher. We are riding and dying with Gary Sanchez. That's our guy. That's our guy. That's our guy. From what I heard earlier in the day, I don't look at it that way. I think he's going to play, but I don't think it's a guarantee he's getting those at-bats. And you know what? He's got nobody to blame but himself. Didn't hit well enough. Didn't perform well enough. You're trying to win games if you're in Boone and the Yankees. So from that standpoint, I totally get it. Now, the other big baseball story, no, it's not the Mets taking down the Washington Nationals, at least for another night. They're still, quote-unquote, mathematically alive and not mathematically eliminated from postseason play. Forget that. That's not the story. The story over the last few days has been the news that Sandy Alderson is back and that Sandy Alderson is going to have a prominent role in the Mets front office. Whenever Steve Cohen is given the reins to take over this team. And do I read into that? Cohen and his people wanting to get the love and wanting to get, you know, the full-fledged approval from the owners. And therefore, they're going to go with a guy that the owners, dare I say, are very comfortable with. Yeah, I think there's definitely something to that. I also think that there's some sort of working relationship between Steve Cohen and Sandy Alderson from Sandy's time here. Is it odd? 100%. When I found out initially that Sandy Alderson was going to be, you know, the head honcho and taking over, you know, baseball operations at some point, as like a president, a czar, or whatever it may be, I was like, really? But then I think about it, and there were elements in play that you have to be aware of the fact that Alderson had, in some ways, his hands tied behind his back, and having to run this team and be under the umbrella of this current ownership regime. Do I think that there is a whole lot to that? I do. But I think that Cohen, in bringing in Alderson, he's doing it for approval. And I I think there's a fear maybe... That Steve Cohen's going to come in and spend like $500 million. That his payroll is going to be, you know, $150 million higher than everybody else's. Maybe he's doing this to say, look, I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend big money, but it's not going to be that extreme. Is that possible? Yeah, I think all that stuff is definitely on the table. Now, I want to give Sandy Alderson credit for this. Because I was critical at times of his regime. I thought at times he was way too conservative. I thought at times he did a miserable job as far as the bullpen, not making a play for Nelson Cruz. I mean, I can run through the laundry list of critiques of Sandy Alderson. From a farm system standpoint, a lot of the guys we are seeing starting to flourish and are now at the big league level. Part of his responsibility, a Dominic Smith, A Michael Conforto. A McNeil, a Nimmo, etc. Had Jared Kalanick. We know what happened there. I applaud Alderson for at the very least finding players that look like they're going to be a part of a nice, you know, homegrown base that Steve Cohen could come in And work with as far as complementing it with free agents. But I'm not going to come on the air and tell you that everything about Alderson's prior tenure with the Mets was a good thing. And that he would have been my number one choice. He would not have been my number one choice. Let me make that perfectly clear. That would not have been my first call in getting, you know, a czar ahead of baseball operations. No way. Because to me, even though it is different, and I acknowledge it will be different. It's a whole whole lot of, you know, been there and done that. But I will take it if I'm a Mets fan for this reason. If it means Steve Cohen gets approval. And then we can judge Sandy Alderson for how he is going to handle much different parameters and a much higher payroll. Was it an odd, bizarre, turn back the clock type of hire? Sure was. But... Your priority as a MFN is making sure Cohen is in this team. And if he's owning this team, I'm fairly confident good things for you are probably coming your way. I would hope. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.